0: The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no
1: Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Hey,
0: teacher, leave
1: them kids alone. Well, welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us. K-12 education is the playing field. As the 16th President Abraham Lincoln succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I am Rebecca Hegstrom, and I am co-host of uh, Education America, and I'm very excited to introduce my new co-host, starting just today, Mrs. Abigail Johnson. Hello, everyone. Yes, and Abigail has actually been a guest on our show a few times actually, when we've talked about the move, because she serves as the admissions director at Liberty Classical Academy. And I believe we had you on last year to discuss the growth that we've had at the school and the move out to Hugo campus. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. It was a
2: lot of fun getting
1: to sit and chat with you and Mark. Yes, that's right. And on that note, I want to share with our listeners, we did have a brief goodbye with Mark on one of our shows back in May. Um, But for our listeners who have been hearing Mark and I on the air together for a long time, um, he and his wife and children decided to take a big move to Florida. Um, where they are excited to move to a red state, is what I've been told by him. (laughs) And, of course, there's a few people that I've had to hold back so that they're not following him, including, I think, Abigail. I have no idea what you're talking about. Everyone in the middle of February in Minnesota, you
2: just look outside and you think...
1: Yes, more of this <laughs> freezing cold and snow, please. I know, I know, I know. I do understand. I'm just, I'm just still sad. I never want to lose any any wonderful conservatives from Minnesota. There we go. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. <laughs> you know, they definitely family. one of those. Yeah,
1: they are a dear family, and we are going to miss them deeply. Their children were at liberty, and they were well loved by their peers. Um, Carolyn is a fantastic emergency room nurse, mm-hmm. and so she got scooped up immediately at a hospital down in Florida. I think she um, had an interview within an hour of turning in an application there. Wow. So um, they are just a dear family and we're going to miss them. But I am very excited to have Abigail as my new co-host. And our, we also have a new producer of our show. Her name is Jody Savage. And she is not with us in studio today, but I think at some point we'll bring her in so that she can say a few words to our listeners. But she will be doing some of the hard work behind the scenes and very important work. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're very glad to have her on board as well. But I really want to spend this show having our listeners get to know you, Abigail, and also get to know really our heart for the show. You know, we've been doing this show now for I believe, I believe it's been seven years. And six of those years, I did it with Mark. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've come to be known as a show that Um, really does want to dig in, and we don't want to be surface level as much as possible in a 30-minute show. Um, We really want to educate people about what's happening in education. And as time has gone on over these seven years, and especially in these last two, education has become such a huge issue, and parents are really starting to wake up um, to what is happening, and they're starting to speak out. So anyway, so that's kind of the gist of... You know, the show a little bit, and we'll go into that a little bit more deeply. But, um, Abigail, you served, and one of the reasons why I was super excited when you said yes to being my co host, um, is that you are an attorney, a trained attorney, and you served at the state capitol and you worked in education policy. So tell us a little bit about your background, both your legal background. Where did you, I don't even know where you went to school, actually. Sure, absolutely. I came,
2: moved up to the Twin Cities uh, for law school. So I am actually originally from another. Another fantastic Midwest state, the state of Iowa. You're all welcome to insert your joke
1: here. Or my, the eye rolling. Yes, my husband always does. Yeah. So Marshall's was,
2: clapping in the, yes, in the sound so room. Yes, so there's there. that. So yes, you know, I did live in the middle of a cornfield and it was fantastic. However, I did move up to the to Minnesota to the Twin Cities for law school. I, number of years ago uh, during that time really enjoyed getting to know the law, getting to know our constitution, really looking mm-hmm. at uh, my goal was always how can I practically help people? Mm-hmm. you know what is it and knowing the rules of how things work mm-hmm. that is what helps people make it through a lot of situations that frankly are can be very complicated mm-hmm. and you know to be very fair when you're working a 40 plus hour, job Mm -hmm. and you've got maybe kids and you need to cook dinner, um, you need someone that can sit down and just explain those things. So that was something that I thought, okay, this is something that I can do that's very practical and hopefully be able to help people around me. Mm -hmm. Um, During that time, it was just really interesting, really interesting to better learn. I did not have a classical Christian education Mm -hmm. growing up. So in many ways, this was my first exposure to reading Supreme Court decisions, Mm -hmm. really going into the analysis of both the majority opinions and the dissents and what does that mean for our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be frank, some of it is very, very dry. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyone who's listening who's done any sort of legal work knows it can be very dry. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are always then those seminal cases, though, that really change our culture and our society, right. you know, one mm-hmm. way or the other. Mm-hmm. So that was really fascinating to start to see how policy affects everyday life. Mm-hmm. It is so easy. I have young children at home. I don't have a lot of time. It's its easy to get caught up in just getting through the things that you need to do as a parent Mm -hmm. to get through the day, to meet those needs for your children. Um, It's really easy to brush things off and say, I don't know, I don't really understand what's going on. And, oh, the dog just threw up in the other room. I don't have time for this. (laughs) Uh So I completely Mm -hmm. understand that. However, um, that's why things like classical education, um, shows like this are really important because it gives – people that maybe they do not have time mm-hmm. to sit down and really delve into these
1: issues, um, the ability mm-hmm. to sit and and hear someone else right. break it down for yep. them. So you, after you finished your law degree, you ended up at the Capitol. Yep. How did that come about? And tell us a little bit about your experience there and what you observed about the legislative process.
2: That was really interesting. That was not something that I began school thinking I would go into however again, just looking at, as I'm looking at policy, then you start looking at, well, what really affects people's lives?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, a lot of times it's the new laws, it's the new legislation. Right. Um, there are a myriad of examples of that. So mm-hmm. um, I just started looking at, okay, that's, that's the direction then I need mm-hmm. to better understand this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually, at uh, used an awful lot of grit. I didn't have any connections at Mm -hmm. all um, within that area. I literally pulled out a phone book and just started calling people. Wow. Uh, Calling everyone I knew that was even remotely connected to politics in any way that had gone to the law school that I was at, Mm -hmm. um, saying, hey, can I take you to coffee? I'd love to just sit down and ask you questions about what sure. goes on there is, you know, how, what do you like about it? What do you not like? And so mm-hmm. I found a few poor souls that were willing to <laughs> meet me for coffee, which was so generous of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that led to, you know, door knocking that mm-hmm. led to actually working with um, a favorite guest of this program. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually door knocked quite a bit with Senator Roger Chamberlain you did? at oh. his very
1: first Campaign. Uh, Campaign. Wow. Abigail, I did not, I knew you were connected to him, but I didn't know it was to that degree. Wow. That's wonderful. So
2: then after that election, um, that led to then being hired on um, at the Minnesota House of Representatives. And okay. what I did was working on a variety of different committees. Um, I call myself the huge policy nerd. Mm-hmm. Um anyone, anyone who works in politics knows that it's often the legislators are fantastic. They work very hard, but they will all tell you it is the behind-the-scenes staff mm. um, that really have their nose to the grindstone. Mm. Um, they are the ones that are really getting into the nitty-gritty. Um, these bills often are ridiculously long, exactly, Um, and especially as you get in, you know, near Mm -hmm. the end of session. So that's something that I did. I worked um, primarily on education finance, so Mm -hmm. I read an awful lot of spreadsheets, (laughs) um, learning what all the acronyms meant. um, How do these how are these dollars allocated per per pupil, and what does Mm -hmm. that mean? Um, And that was really fascinating. But honestly, it was more than anything very fascinating to just listen to. The, the discussions on the committee. Yeah, Why should we be going this direction versus another direction? What are the pros? What are the cons? So I did that both in the education finance and the education policy committees. I also worked on a
1: number of different committees as well during that hmm. time. And that was... A period of what, three years? I was
2: about three three to four years. Three to four years. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Well, then you ended up having children, and so you took a break from that, and you found your way to Liberty and started learning about classical education. And I am kind of curious, did you research or how did you find Liberty? Oh, absolutely. So I always say that I was a Liberty
2: lurker. (laughs) Um, My time down at the Capitol really... It just put a lot of promptings in my heart of, you know, what is it what is it that will work best for our family? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have very uh, strong values. We believe in um, mm-hmm. God, family, country. Right. Um, so what does school look like uh, for a family like ours? What is the best fit? So mm-hmm. I did um, start looking around online, Googling, you know, schools near me, mm-hmm. um, looking at that, also talking to an awful lot of people, most of them who um, are not in the state of Minnesota, but anyone who was a few steps ahead of me. What did they do? What did Mm -hmm. they like? Um, And really, it was when I found the website for Liberty and I saw the emphasis on critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And I uh, went in, met with the then admissions director and Mm -hmm. said, yep, kindergarten sounds great. That's phenomenal. But let's skip over that. Let's talk about eighth grade. Let's talk about logic class. Mm -hmm. That is Mm -hmm. what I want. That's what I see is so lacking. That is what... I wish every single student had access to in their education. Let's talk about yep, that. Yep. And then it, and our, even after mm-hmm. that, it was many, many years later that my family ended up at Liberty. At the time, I, my children were just babies when yes. I when I initially found the school, and so then we just did a lot of
1: praying and thinking about, you mm-hmm. know, how how would this work for our family? Oh, that is so wonderful. And now here you are, and your last two children, who are twins, yes. are going to enter kindergarten. They are, and you are serving as our admissions director. How about that? Right? I, you
2: just always—you never
1: know what the Lord will bring your way. You <laughs> that is just never exactly do, right? Oh, I just love it. Well, and I love the fact that you talked about what drew you to classical wasn't just the lower school, because so many people, when they're looking at kindergarten, they're thinking about kindergarten only. In fact, we do a kindergarten-only open house for that reason. But really, the the transformative part. of of a classical education really comes in grades eight through 12. Yes. Because that's where we're taking the skills that they learned in the grammar stage and the beginning stage of the logic stage and they're putting it to work. Absolutely. And um, by the time they graduate, these kids are so well educated. They are confident, they're well spoken, they write well, mm-hmm. um, they're able to do research and e- analysis and synthesis. And all of that really happens at the high school level. It really does. And, and we've got some phenomenal teachers in the upper
2: school. Oh, boy, do I we just I, yeah. I truly sit there and think, oh man, I cannot wait until my kids yeah. can have this teacher or that yeah. teacher because not only is their subject matter expertise phenomenal, um, obviously the Christian or the the classical model and methodology is really well implemented, but they are interesting to listen to. Yeah, yeah. I sat in on a math class. In math yeah. class. And, you know, I went to law Typically school. boring. I, I, I went to law school because I was told there would be no math. Yeah. So, yeah. and I went into, I had to go sit in on a math class. And afterwards, I told the teacher, you know, I almost learned something. <laughs> almost. And, and he Just said, almost. that's exactly what his, he goes, wait a minute, almost. And I said, that's the best you're going to get out of me.
1: I'm so sorry.
2: That is, that's the highest compliment I could possibly For this person who went you. to law
1: school so she could avoid math. That's yes. really funny because I think I said something similar when I was looking for my degree. That's hilarious. <laughs> I do really get that. Um, but yeah, the teachers there are phenomenal. And um, we all say that we wish that we could have an education like that ourselves. Yes. Um, you are listening to Education America, where we are introducing our brand new co-host, or I am introducing our brand new co-host, Abigail Johnson. We're so happy to have her here with us and joining us. And let me just ask you this. You know, I I kind of laid out uh, fleece here kind of saying, okay, well, my co-host of six years is moving to Florida. Maybe it's time for me to end this show. And I really did. And I prayed about it. And I, I um, talked to quite a few people. And there were many who said, This is the time we need this show. I mean, people are starting to wake up on education. And so why would you? Yeah, Marshall's shaking his head and giving me the thumbs up. I love it. And so why would you quit now? And so I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to see what God does. And if he provides a producer and he provides a co-host that I'm comfortable with and excited about, then I'm going to take that as God's will that we're supposed to continue and, you know, it was interesting because the first person I asked to be our producer had, had, did say no. And so I thought, hmm, maybe this isn't going to happen. And then I asked you about your co-host position and you were at first saying, Oh my goodness, I'd love to do this. I would love, 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 but I'm so busy and I have four kids and I really need to think about this. And so then I thought, well, gee, maybe maybe the answer really is going to be no. And then um, somebody suggested this producer, Jodi, um, to me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's the perfect idea. So I laid it out for her. And she was excited from the get-go, just like you. And then I thought, okay, now we'll have to see if Abigail's going to say yes. At least it helps that we've got a good producer that can help us out. And when you came into my office and you were just right out of the gate, yes, I'm going to do this. In fact, I think you said to me, you will not find anybody better than me. (laughs) And I said, I think that might be right. (laughs) So just tell me kind of the process that you went through that made you go from, I would love to do this, but I can't. And I know that you're busy, but um, you know, like what made you want to be a part of this show, Abigail? That is a really good question. And I'm sure that all the parents who are
2: listening to this show right now, I am sure they are also probably emptying the dishwasher, <laughs> or sweeping the floor, or mowing the grass. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand because that's generally when I consume my media as mm-hmm. well, and where I, my ear is to the ground, always trying to pay attention to what is going on in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, yeah, I do have I do have four small children. Um, they still are at the stage where they need quite a lot, which is an honor to be mm-hmm. able to be their mom. Mm-hmm. Um, So it was. It was something that I thought very seriously about, um, mostly because this is a phenomenal show. You Mm -hmm. always want to do something. um, If you're going to do it, you want to do it well.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, making sure, though, you know, I think that as many parents feel, it's, I'm always a parent first. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, What does that look like when everyone only has 24 hours in a day? Mm -hmm. Uh, So really, it's just, what you said is absolutely correct, that things are changing very rapidly. I am so encouraged to see so many parents waking up mm-hmm. and realizing that maybe the, the path that they thought was best for their family, they're starting to reconsider. Mm-hmm. They're starting to look at things that are going on in the world. They're looking at their family values and trying to decide, okay, you know, are we— are we in a, a team relationship with our school, with our teacher, with the administration? Mm-hmm. You know, are we a team uh, working together to raise, you know, excellent um, students, friends, students and, and, and adults? And I mean, really, citizens. you're trying to, you're citizens. trying you're not just raising mm-hmm. kids. You're trying to prepare them to be right. adults um, or or am I constantly having to look and investigate what's going on in mm-hmm. there in, in their day or um, or worse undo and reteach and absolutely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's just i i absolutely love meeting with families that are beginning to just really take a look at that and again that doesn't always mean the same path for everyone and that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine that's great not everyone is going to move in the same direction but that they are moving away from what I call default right default education yep. default education do what is, I did growing up is mm-hmm. yep this is what I did or mm-hmm. this is
1: what's close
2: or this is what's convenient mm-hmm. um, I think that any um, anyone who does anything of value it's usually hard there's usually yes. a ton of roadblocks in the way mm-hmm. whether it's lack of sleep lack of time lack of money mm-hmm. um, and you know really those parents are starting to look at these things and realize maybe, there's something better, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that really is encouraging. I want to be part of helping parents see there are difficulties with choosing the path
1: that isn't traveled as often, right. Right. but but it's worth it. Yeah, and the nice thing is that once people do, they usually look back and think, oh, why didn't I do this sooner? Mm-hmm. And we hear that all the time at Liberty. I'm sure a lot of the other Christian schools are hearing that too as as they're filling up now with things that are with the things that are happening in public schools, a lot of the private schools are filling up. And um, I do think it's just really important for parents to be aware. And, and that brings us to why we did this show in the first place. You know, people have maybe heard my story before, but when we um, launched this show, it was mainly because we were – interested in having a platform to bring some of these issues that we were seeing in the public schools to light. And when I say public schools, I want to say that loosely because actually a lot of these philosophies are very, very prevalent in private schools as well, and even some Christian private schools. And so it's not just about public versus private. It is about our, what is the purpose of education? Mm-hmm. And there was a time in our country when the purpose of edu- education was to create deep thinking citizens who understood the Judeo-Christian values. There was an agreement at that time of what the values should be. And so the schools actually embraced those values as well, even in the public realm. But then in 1962 and 1963, when Bible reading and prayer was removed from the public schools, that began the ascent to being completely secular. And now we have such a variety of views of what should be taught, And so it's kind of the loudest voice gets to say, and the unions are the loudest voice today in the public school realm. And so they have a lot of power to dictate what is being taught and what isn't being taught. And, you know, just the attitude towards parents, um, Even when my kids were little and my kids are well grown, my youngest is 27. um, When we started in the public schools, even back then, they were starting to not want parents around as much. Mm -hmm. And now I I just found out that um, one of my neighbors had moved into the area who had moved into the area in the last couple of years had decided to send her children to the public school from a private school because she had heard that the district was really good. Well, it lasted one day because she found out that the school didn't want parents there volunteering at all. And she was used to volunteering a lot in her, she was in a small K-8 private Catholic school. And So she unenrolled and rolled them back in the Catholic school and made the little bit of a drive. And, you know, it's just, it's really sad to see um, parents kind of being pushed out of the conversation. And that's one of the reasons why I love what we're seeing today, where parents are starting to unite and they're saying, no, we do have a say and we will have an influence in what our children are learning. And it's so wonderful. And so this show was really founded to try to help expose some of these things that we're seeing, but also to try to provide some solutions to what we're seeing in education. So obviously, we talk some about our classical Christian program, but we talk about school choice. And on that note, you know, we have a new case that just was decided by the Supreme Court just in the last few days. And you being the attorney, I think I'm going to let you talk about that, but it was some great news for private education, private Christian It was. Education. It was a
2: really good decision. Um, it was uh, down by this uh, done by the Supreme Court, released just this week. Um, this will, obviously, the show will air a bit later. So most... Mm-hmm. Many people right. may be more familiar by the time the show comes yeah, out. Yeah, you're right. Um, however, you it was that. a six-four deci- Excuse me, six-three decision um, ba- with John Roberts writing the um, the majority opinion mm-hmm. there, and basically saying that it was a it was a, a tuition assistance program in the state of Maine, and mm-hmm. basically what they said was at the time the state of Maine said if, if a uh, if a family does qualify for these. Um, state aid to help with tuition payments—that mm-hmm. um, works for a variety of schools, but it does not work for a religious-based school. Yeah, so is... they were at, so they were supporting with state dollars um, a variety of schools as long as it was secular, mm-hmm. uh, and so it was absolutely um, discrimination against yes. these publics or excuse private. me, these private mm-hmm. schools. So um, and the decision was is nope, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely. Um, not what this was for, and Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is not in line with who we're going to be as a nation. So Mm -hmm. it was a really encouraging decision. I think that hopefully that there will be a lot more momentum with school choice, because one thing that Liberty does really well is um, parents are in charge there. Mm -hmm. Um, These are not our kids, as in our schools. Um, These are these families' children, and Mm -hmm. we really respect the role we uphold, the role that the parents have in their students' life, right. and we hope that that will continue to move through even into public policy, mm-hmm. reflecting that, you know, the state doesn't need to pick uh, private versus public; it doesn't need to pick secular versus uh, religious. But what it does need to do is respect that this is. The taxpayer dollars, these are these parents' dollars Mm -hmm. that they do pay into the system, and they should be able to choose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and we are seeing in the last couple of years more states embrace that. And I I actually learned of some legislation, and I know we don't have time to go into it, but maybe we will in another show um, in Arizona where they will be the largest, I believe, school choice um, state in the nation if this bill actually passes, where I believe every child without limits will be able to take the money that... So basically, the money follows the child yep. is what will happen in Arizona for every student, I believe, right? Is that correct? You if know, I'd have to double latest? check what the okay. legislation does say. I haven't mm-hmm. read it it's uh, broad, recently. Though, it's it's very broad. broad. It's the broadest that it's ever It hasn't been, been
2: passed mm-hmm. into law yet. So that would be a really
1: fantastic thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, because people forget this is this is your money, guys. Yes, I
1: know. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, the opposition is very good at trying to make it seem like you're taking money from public schools with this, but that is not the case. These are tax dollars. And in many cases, the way they set them up is that you can actually have donors give to a separate fund for a tax donation, and then that money is what's funding the school choice opportunities for the kids. So th- mm-hmm. That's what we've been trying to do here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So that's even not even taking tax money away. The students mm-hmm. still... Um, Some of their tax money still stays in their district. So there's many different ways to do it. But we're so excited to be able to um, have these conversations, Abigail, um, about this. And then actually, I think the next show that we're going to do, we're going to be talking about the teacher licensure rules in Minnesota that are um, changing. They are under... Um, I think review right now by uh, uh, a legislative law judge, I believe. And I kind of think they're about the same place, not too much behind the social studies standards. And Mm -hmm. I think the state got so busy with the social studies standards that um, when I say the state, I mean those of us who are concerned about these standards, the whole teacher licensure thing flew under the radar and it's Mm -hmm. just coming to light now. And so you and I are going to be focused on that in our next show and I'm very happy again that you are an attorney and you can kind of take some of that legal approach to looking at these changes and what that means for Minnesota classrooms. Mm-hmm. And it's very concerning. It is absolutely. And
2: if anyone is listening to this and thinking, "Oh, t- teacher licensure, what in the world? This is what this <laughs> right. is really getting into the weeds," uh, we promise we'll make it fun. Um, it and it yeah. is so important to understand. You know, what are your kids being taught? And then if you are informed, then you can make an informed decision about what works best for your
1: family. That's right. And teacher licensure affects every single public school teacher and many private school teachers as well, because many private schools require teacher licensure. So it is an important topic because it will dramatically affect like the vast majority of teachers in Minnesota and therefore then the classrooms in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So, Well, Abigail, it's been fun to have our very first show together, and I look forward to our listening audience getting to know her over the course of the next weeks and months. And in the meantime, um, you can listen to this podcast at SlaveTheClassroom.com, and you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And we would sure love if you would listen to some of our old podcasts where I'm still with Mark. We had great shows then as well. And we covered a lot of these topics, critical race theory, the social city standards. And so if this is your first show, then go ahead and go back and listen and get caught up on really what's been happening in Minnesota. And then we look forward to taking you along with us. So thank you so much. And thank you, Abigail. See you next week.